0: just knowing that it's it's a long process you can sometimes kill yourself in the process cuz you want it now you know you want it tomorrow but you just have to keep plugging away and just slow it down a little bit th- but when you're constantly chasing something's always running away from you mm-hmm. you know now that I've slowed down a little bit things are starting to to catch me you know right. opportunities are catching me now
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to what will be the last 30-something podcast episode of 2019. I hope you guys are all geared up for Christmas, you've got some exciting new year plans and if you are listening to this in the run-up to the end of the year, thank you very much guys. I know you're all busy with buying last-minute gifts and spending time with your family or getting those last nights in with your friends. So for today's episode. I actually got to sit down with Phil Donaldson. Now Phil is the first guy who gave me time to do a podcast episode with him. Unfortunately, I didn't get to use our initial sit down, but it just meant lucky me. I got to sit down with him twice and this episode is a wee bit different from the others in that for regular listeners, you've probably noticed there's a consistency. We talk about their backstory what they've done, what they're doing now, where they're going, and then get into a bit more of their life advice. Whereas with Phil, I'd already done that. So I set the camera up to record and we kind of just started talking. We do touch on the points of where he came from, what his experience was like in school, how he started up his business and everything. And Phil is a hardcore business guy. He loves business, he understands business, he says it himself, doing deals is just his bread and butter. And he seems to have found himself in the restaurant, bar, club industry. His business, Acumen, has helped him build some of the most popular spots in Dundee. Without spoiling too much, one of the brands is looking to be so successful, he'll be expanding it across the UK. Phil's also always looking for ways to improve, whether that's physically, mentally, well-being, the pressures of being a boss from a young age, made him look for ways to slow things down. And if you're interested in that sort of aspect, business, how the bar world works, experiences in that industry, this episode is for you. As always guys, if you like it, please leave a comment, subscribe, and we'll jump right on in. Because I find
0: that I'm always encouraging friends to do, try new things, eat a different way use saunas cold
1: showers
0: intermittent fasting and I feel like I'm just constantly preaching and I think some of them get pissed off with it you know
1: that's what I'm saying it's like it's a worrying thing you've got to check the ego because you want to help your friends but not continually lecture them on things
0: definitely and I think you need to they'll only change once they've seen you
1: change won't they like you are the representation of the change as opposed to Shouting about the change, you know? See, to me, that sounds like a nice idea, but does it actually work? Because they maybe see you change, but maybe it just makes them feel crap about themselves. Possibly. Because the change has to come from within. Yeah. And if people just don't want to... Sure. Even if they're seeing someone else, I wonder if they would. Yeah. I think people need to be curious.
0: I'm so surprised when people aren't curious. <laughs> a case now i put on Instagram that I'm using saunas, 20-minute saunas, four times a week. And I'll post some science behind it about heat shock proteins and how it creates new cells in the body. But I'll, I'm, I'll post about my own experience that I feel better. People will just shoot you down. Nah, it doesn't work. Bullshit. But I'm telling you from my own experience that I feel better doing it. And so on my platform, I'm just telling people, why don't you give it a try? But people aren't curious. Any, if anyone's doing anything that's benefiting their life, I'm so curious. Yeah You know Why is
1: that Oh why is that working for them Well can I maybe try and adapt that into my life But it's because you care about it mm. Do you know what I mean Some people will see If it was like Kim Kardashian Or someone giving that advice They would jump on it
0: Yeah Yeah
1: What the hell does she know Is she speaking from experience Or is she think Because someone's paid her to Yeah But then someone you know Someone you're close to Someone you can trust Is telling you And people are so quick to just Yeah Which is
0: madness uh, funnily enough, I actually watched the Kim Kardashian. I've watched ten minutes of Kim Kardashian, the Kardashians, last night. I've never seen an episode ever. Yeah, and I don't found think it, I have. I found it fascinating. Like Kanye West is sort of like being dragged around like a shopping mall. Yeah,
1: and like,
0: it's just bizarre, isn't it?
1: But he never saw that in his life. No, nah, I know.
0: But they're so they're they're pretty switched on and successful. It's
1: the it's the mum who's meant to be the really smart, the driving force. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because uh, one of them's just this rise and shine thing. Have you seen? No, no, no. So, oh, the, yeah. The mom, I don't know if it's one Khloe of the Kardashians, she goes, the she goes into the baby, goes to the baby, says "rise and shine," and then she's started this whole brand "rise and shine" because loads of people shared this. Rise well, there, and shine it was thing. a meme. It was
1: like my alarm when I'm trying to sleep in the morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And she's put the copy. She's got the copyright on it. So anyone else that was using "rise or shine" in their branding or create an apparel with it. I can't use it anymore because she's got the cover on it, which is so they've they've got some power, they've got some clout, haven't they? Sure. But um yeah, you have to people need to see it they need to see it working for you, don't they, before they sort of adapt it into their their lives. Do but,
1: any of your friends from like school or anything do they come <coughs> to you being like, have you done this?" Mm.
0: I do get a, I do get a little bit of that. Do you know what? To be honest, funny I don't I don't speak to anyone I went to school with, which is strange. And I think that's because going to school in in London, I used to get a bus, a train, another bus, and then a ten minute walk to my school. Right. So everyone was from different pockets of of London. I went to school in Richmond, and it funnily it, everyone thinks it must have been a great school because it was in Richmond because Richmond's such a lovely area. Yeah. But it wasn't. It just came in under the Wandsworth Borough catchment. So everyone in all the, the shitty areas wanted to send their kids to this school in Richmond because they thought it must be a good school, it's in Richmond. And the truth was, every, all of the kids were from the ghetto and um, from council estates in Battersea and, and, and different little pockets of London, Wandsworth mainly. Well, your and, school
1: was pretty interesting. A lot of like things were going down there well, from what I remember.
0: Yeah, crazy stuff at school. There was there was a lot of drugs, lot of drug dealing, but there was a lot of entrepreneurial spirit at school as well. You know, when I look back, like in the illegal uh, activities, but I remember, I remember there was two girls, within the year above me, that used to charge some of the sort of geeks in school twenty pounds a week, and they could and they could come and speak to them in public and like put their arms around them or get hugged in in the playground. <laughs> really? Yeah. And they used to charge them £20 a week. Uh, but
1: people knew they were providing the service. So when, like, they were out, I people think, saw...
0: Yeah, that they were obviously paying for it. Yeah. yeah. But maybe some of the kids in the younger years didn't know that they this was the case. Yeah, so
1: they like, look at this cool guy. Yeah.
0: So there was lots of weird things. Was people. There was stabbings at my school. There was lads selling heroin. One boy actually got stabbed in the eye in a home tech class. Yeah, just some lots of weird weird stuff in my school but so I went to school in, in Richmond came away I remember the very last day of school actually so I was really close with everyone at school football was a big factor yeah. and I was a sports captain for the last few years of school I remember the, the very last we had two days left and the head teacher called us in a last minute assembly so you don't need to come in tomorrow there's no need for you to come in tomorrow so just finish up now And everyone was signing everyone's shirts and me and the two boys that I always used to sort of hang around with. We just sort of said to each other, right, nice one. See you later. And then we bet and we never really saw each other again. I saw one of the lads, Ryan, a few times at a couple of different gatherings. That was it. Never spoke, never saw or spoke to anyone really from school ever again after
1: that point. But why? Like, were the two good mates and then you were all just like, right? Yeah, I think it's... over.
0: Because we had... Our own pals, where we lived, and football was a big thing. Any, any spare minute I had was around football, and I played for various football teams across London. So I was always travelling, and and we just never really stayed in touch. So sorry, it's answer a question: Do people still get in touch? They do, but not
1: necessarily old schoolmates. Something we've discussed before. It's usually a lot of people who I know have done this. They find it strangers supporting strangers who've heard about them Who are coming and asking for advice Yeah Never really their immediate social circles No So that's why I was wondering Maybe not your school friends But any sort of yeah, immediate from, circle of people Yeah Yeah,
0: yeah no, pe- People are People don't want to um, interfere, do they? Or, they? or they think it's rude Or they think about They're ask, asking about your secrets or your success And they think that you're not going to let them in Which isn't true I mean, I, f- I find... I'm sharing the stuff that I'm doing all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I th- some of my family, I think my mum says, you know, don't, don't bother. Don't let people learn by themselves. You know, you don't know. And that's the thing with social media nowadays is we're all spreading what we're doing from how we're dressing to our health routine to our food recipes. Yeah, yeah. But people need to learn. People need to learn themselves, don't they? They need, you have to experience it yourself. But you need to be seeking characters out there that have done it. You know, it's really difficult to find people that have done what you're trying to do. It's really difficult. And podcasts like you, and um, hopefully, you know, what, what you're doing will help. And, and the London Real stuff and Joe Rogan, etc. There's the people out there that are doing what you're trying to do. But it's just about seeking them. And but a lot of the times, you'll be surprised that it's happening around you locally. But people don't want to reach out to the, you know, the man in the street that's doing it. They want to put the guy on the pedestal and, you know, that's maybe over in the States that's doing it, the yeah. Gary Vaynercheks, etc. No, but so, but some people do occasionally get in touch with me and, and ask, how, how have you done all this? You know, like, I, I want
1: to get started. So we're jumping ahead a few steps, but I actually don't mind too much about that. What do you tell them? Because it's been a little bit like a whirlwind. Yeah. You know, you started with a small cafe, I know you've got a chain of bars opening, and it's all happened not so quickly, but where would you tell people to start? It's,
0: you, need to, you get to a certain age. I, I started doing this. I've been doing this nearly 10 years now. You get to a certain age, especially in the modern day society, there's so many options. It, it's, it can get really cloudy. What direction are you are going to go? Well, everyone's giving advice. Constant. yeah. And there's different careers being thrown at you all the time. And, and obviously people wanting to create their own platform, be an influencer. And before they've got anything to influence anyone on, the only thing they're influencing is other people, other people's businesses, which is the crazy thing. But you, you get to a certain age, I, I feel, or a certain point in your life, maybe not an age, you have to choose something. You've got to throw yourself in. You, you pick something and you're going to get good at it. Yeah. You know, So you've got to make a commitment You make a commitment, exactly, you get committed and then you persevere and you're in and then things start happening once you decide you're in and that goes for every aspect of your life not, not just business, um, with your health and relationships once you've decided you're in, you're in
1: What's the paradox of choice? You always hear people saying with things like Tinder and Bumble and all these possible jobs and all these hopes and dreams being thrown yeah. at you why? There's too to much one choice.
0: There's too much choice, isn't it? Yeah, and um, we can just be flippant and chuck it out the window and start again with something else. You, know, you see it happening all the time. The, people think the grass is greener. Those people that we're seeking answers from, other people that have been doing it for, that have just ground it out. So yeah, my advice would be to pick something. I would say find out what you in, enjoy. I got into hospitality. I had never worked in hospitality. I knew that I enjoyed eating and drinking. Out that that was it that was about it really. I thought I I knew what I was doing, and I didn't. It took me years and years to figure out what I was doing. Yeah, I fell into that, but I fell into it because I knew I had to pick something, and there was an opportunity for me to purchase this little cafe with the help of some borrowing from some family members. But I thought, you know, I'm just going to chuck myself into this, and that was. And
1: with nearly ten years down the line, you know, it's just been a long, long process. Well, it's funny because a lot of the advice I'm seeing thrown around now, the whole vibe used to be, do what you love. But now people are realising it's turn what you're doing, if possible, into what you love. Yeah. So like you say, you found yourself into it. Did you immediately love it? Or is that something that just came with time, the more you worked in it? Definitely came with time.
0: I mean, if I'm being honest, so, so i had never been a bartender. I'd never been a chef. I'd never worked front of house. I knew... That I, I liked the whole hospitality, the, the whole food and drink aspect and eating out and, you know, and I loved it and the aesthetic of everything. But if truth be told, I don't. it wasn't my love, you know, it wasn't my love. But business was, has become my love, you know, and just doing deals, that's where I, that's where I get my high. So chucking myself into this, that's, that's what I've learned, that's what I love. I love the business aspect, Yeah, food and drink. And I love, I adore food and drink. And I employ people who love it even more than me.
1: And I love the business aspect of it. So Um, it could be creating a business in anything, but it just happened to be in food and drink. Exactly. And, and
0: and, And that's got me started. And now we're at the point of we're creating, we're looking at creating
1: more brands. Can you tell people a wee bit about what exactly your company is? Or yeah. your companies are now that I guess it's broken down into two. Sure. So if we start with...
0: So we have a hospitality group called MacMerry 300 Mary,
1: Limited. It. And
0: that's a group that are of bars and restaurants in Dundee and Brotty Ferry. That's been operating now for about nine years. And we have, we're on the verge of having eight to nine units in the next few months or so. And they range from cosy, quirky cocktail bars, speakeasies, nineteen twenty style speakeasy, to... A rum bar that plays salsa music and it's very lively and we have over 120 sugarcane spirits in the bar.
1: Which is amazing, right? Because it didn't even start with bars, it started with a wee cafe. Yeah, a
0: little cafe in a little town called Brotty Ferry, which is sort of just three miles north of Dundee in a little seaside town. And a cafe where the, the demographic the, is, is older, you know, is, is retired yeah. cu- couples coming in for coffee and cake and then we slowly developed that brand into a bit more of a vibrant lunch spot, started to attract a younger crowd. We had that unit for three to four years and we really, really sort of learned my trade. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at a second site about three or four years off, after trading. And you knew you wanted it to be a bar or did so, you
1: think it was going to be a cafe again?
0: So at that point, it was a restaurant and we created this brand called True Pizza, which was a success... For about a year and a half, two years or so, and then there was this boom of pizza units moving into Dundee. Right, and there was a couple of units of like Project Pie, Mozza Tony Macaroni. All of a sudden, there was this pizza boom in Dundee. So we we decided to adapt and change the the offering slightly, because it's a Dundee's a small city. There's only a certain amount of spendable cash yeah. and a certain demographic for for that offering. So we had True pizza we. We turned that into a unit called True Kitchen. I've been fortunate enough to ha- only have a couple of failures along the way, which have been handy, which have been great learning curves. The, the True Kitchen and the
1: True Pizza thing was, wasn't a success, but by the end of it, you know. Well, I suppose by the sound of it, True Pizza <coughs> was outside influences. What went wrong or what happened to True Kitchen? True Kitchen, I th- with True Kitchen, there was
0: this forced, because everyone knew us as True Pizza and we were trying to adapt to have a a wider offering. Right. But I think it wasn't fooling the customer. You know, the customer still knew that it was, you know, it was a pizza restaurant. Yeah. But we'd maybe pigeonholed ourselves a little bit too much with the branding and the the name of the place, you know. So um, in that time, we opened a little cocktail bar called called Jam Jar, which was quite revolutionary at the time. It was the first bespoke cocktail bar with theatrical-style drinks. And that was a massive success. And that catapulted us... Into the the bar industry and to, to be recognised around Scotland and it and in doing that we started to attract the right people.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So and that was the changing point. So we we opened the we opened the bar Jam Jar. The first guy that we employed is a guy called uh, Dimitri who who still works for the company now and he had just moved over from Sydney and he was looking for a cocktail bar to walk in and he just happened two days prior to opening this bar we were standing around scratching our heads thinking shit we need a a bar, like a proper bar centre, and this guy, Dimitri, he's sort of Scottish Greek. Uh, he was at the window, looking in. Taps on the window. Comes in and says, "Are you employing?" And it's as if we put it into the universe that we needed this guy. Was he based in Dundee, or he came? Just off? moved to Dundee from Sydney, right. like the day before. But his 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 mum lives in, in Money Monifieth, just outside Dundee. We employed this guy. Opened the bar. It was a great success, and we had a great time of it for a year or so. And I was working behind the bar again. Hadn't really properly bartended before. So you're actually seeing what it was. Yeah. Bits in the ground. Kind sure. Of, yeah. But at that time, so I was making drinks and then I had the restaurant next door, True Pizza at the time. I had the cafe still in Brotty Ferry. And then so things were starting to get on top of me at that point mm. because I was still using my hands, you know. And it was at that point I realised that I needed to give some power away. How hard was that? Uh, massively. And even now, you do it in a, a, on a sort of bigger scale now. But to progress, you have to give some power away. That's a real difficult point because you feel totally in control of everything. And you know every number and every item that's in the building, what every pair of hands is doing. But there is, there's that tipping point where if you want to carry if you want to keep building, you have to let go of control
1: and you have to trust in the process of employing the right people. And I imagine that's one of the hardest parts, finding people you felt you could trust. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And there's been a lot of people that I've found out that I couldn't
0: trust along the way. And you take everything personally. When you run your own business, everything
1: feels like the universe is against you, you know. Is that from things as small as a bad review to employee comments? Yeah.
0: Somebody stealing or an employee not being happy, customer not being happy. You feel like everything's caving in on you. and You've done a terrible job. And those, it hits you hard. It hits you hard because when you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you don't, there's nobody to tell you that you're doing a good job. When you're an employee, you can always turn to your line manager and, and get feedback. Yeah. When you run your own business, you know, the only way you know if you're doing a good job is, unfortunately, are you making money? Are you making the right margin? Are you making the the right amount of money? Can you base things on reviews? Not really. Even the pats on the back and restaurant reviews and newspapers and stuff are great for about 30 seconds, but there's so many that the one bad one will outweigh the 30 good ones, you know? So as a business owner, you're looking for feedback,
1: but you'll never really get... You'll never get it in, in a customer review. Well, that's interesting because, firstly... Congratulations on the awards. Thank you. You can say what well, it is now, can you? Yeah, so I won um, the SLTN, which is the Scottish Licensed Trade News Entrepreneur of the Year. So um. what's interesting about that is when we spoke about it earlier, you said things like that didn't matter to you too much, but what they were great for was, you know, helping to grow the business, helping to make it bigger. It's a giant pat in the back mm. from people within the industry, not necessarily a boss or something, but... Yeah. It's funny that that didn't feel like a, you're doing a good job yeah. sort of moment.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It's a tricky one because I detach, well, I try to detach myself from the business and I, and I feel like me winning Entrepreneur of the Year is more the business winning Entrepreneur of the Year and how can the business use that? And I, and I see it more as the, the team have won that, you know, mm-hmm. collectively and and I'm the sort of focal point of the team, you know, so... In business, the pats on the back It needs to amount to something It's business
1: It needs to amount to something I'm not in it for the pats on the back Mm -hmm. because you never really You never got to receive them at first So did they maybe just become such a non-thing That maybe (laughs) now that they are coming It's a bit like, well, I don't care about them anymore So Possibly But you go through so many
0: stresses And the aim is to progress you know, and, and sometimes and the pats on the back are focusing on the work that you've already done, not the progression.
1: Because no one can see that. Yeah, um, they see the business results, but not how you've grown. Sure, right. I get yeah. you. And we're always looking forwards. The awards, etc.,
0: are for the work that you've done. And in business, you know if you've been successful or not
1: if you're making money. So um, you've already got the success. Getting an award about it is great, but it's not telling you anything you didn't already know. Exactly. So it's the future work you do that's really important. Yeah. So, what's the plans for the future?
0: Yeah, so one of our brands, Abandon Ship, is a collaboration with um, a clothing brand, Abandon Ship Apparel, who is ran by a guy called Richard Davis. He's created this brand, it's a, li- it's a lifestyle brand, and the narrative comes from Rich, and essentially, he's an artist and he makes apparel he makes clothing but it's turned into more than that it's turned into a fun message about mental health he creates fun designs and it's aimed at I guess people in from early 20s to mid 30s and it's about dealing with your anxiety dealing with hangovers and trying to be successful and still trying to be a party animal all at the same time
1: well what's the tagline again?
0: not everything sucks not everything sucks yeah so we became friends, and, and I always thought that the brand would lend itself pretty well to being a bar. So we went to New York, a few of us, to research American Dive Bars. Just built our relationship. I'm sure that's a good tour to it was great build tour. a bond. Yeah, yeah it was a great tour. Lots of crazy stories.
1: Save and that for your second did Yeah, definitely,
0: yeah. yeah. No, there's some gruesome stories. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, we, yeah, we built that relationship And we came back and we opened the bar. So that bar comes under the McMerry umbrella. So the bar's been a great success. And what the bar is about is food and drink and art and apparel. So the the bar in Dundee, there's a a, a barcade, arcade machines. Yeah. The walls are covered with Richard's artwork. How long did that take him to do, to paint the whole bar? I think in total about two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, in two weeks. And, And that bar, the floor to ceiling, you're about... It must be about five metres. Yeah, huge, huge big walls. So we opened that bar last December and it's been a great success. In that time between then and now, we've developed a Bandership Bars Limited. So And the plan is to roll out 10 units, there or thereabouts 10 units, across the UK in the next three years. So we're very, very close to opening our first unit in London, right. which essentially second unit. So uh, you found after you found it. a location. Yeah, we found the location. It's in uh, Bethnal Green. Bethnal Green has become this sort of um, the, if you can't get into Shoreditch, you get into Bethnal Green, and they've seen the rise of some really fantastic bars, actually, because you can still get in on the cheap to to a point. But we found this unit, and we're currently in the sort of in in the legal process of uh, wrapping yeah, up that right. lease. So that's exciting. And then the brand as itself. So the the plan over the next five years is to really build this brand Uh, we're talking with uh, a publishing company about creating a book and maybe a series of books this first one will be around about food and drink recipes cocktail recipes with along with richard's art and the plan is to call it recipe for disaster we're also looking at creating a podcast and an abandoned ship radio that could play in the bars Mm -hmm. um, all at the one time and the podcast will be called not everything sucks and again will just be the fun elements of the brand. Yeah. So myself how I divide my time will be split between a band of ship and McMurray and currently all our units in McMurray are in the Dundee area. But that's not to say where it'll stop. The the plan is to open more McMurray units uh, around Scotland and then the band of ship thing across the UK.
1: You know Phil, this is kind of the part of the podcast where I ask I say everything relates back to the name and their thirties, you know, balancing it all. How do, you, how do you balance it all? All these different umbrellas for Matt Mary, opening up it's ten bars over what period? Do you know what? It's that thing of giving away control.
0: The truth is I man I really manage one person. I've got my right-hand guy uh, AJ McMenemy who's become a director of both companies. I go through AJ for everything and then and then we dilute it down. Mm. He manages a little team of the management and then they manage their their staff because I know for a fact as as soon as you get wrapped up in the personnel issues and all the, the the different personalities it bogs you down. And yeah. It stops you from doing business. So you need to manage as few
1: human beings as possible. Well, when you say giving up control, Mm. how do you give up? And I'm sure the simple answer is just do it. Yeah. But is it that easy? Is there a trick to it? Yeah. I think
0: I always, I blame myself for anything that happens. Any of the negative stuff that happens anyway. I blame myself. If I've employed the wrong people and if I've delegated to the wrong people... Or the or, or delegated the wrong jobs, then it's my fault, and I think that helps me deal with that. Is that I know the buck stops with me, so giving away control is to an element because I still I'm still in control, but I'm giving away control to the people that I fully trust to give control to, oh. and if and if it proves to be the wrong thing, then it's my fault, which is and I and I just I feel like life in general becomes a lot easier when you realise good or bad it's you you were to blame mm-hmm. yeah
1: how do you trust people is that something we kind of touched on earlier you're like there's people you found out you couldn't trust yeah is it something you've got a knack for now is it just like a sixth sense that's evolved over time
0: I guess so with regards to business you need people to trust in the process trust in you and what you're trying to achieve
1: get them to trust in you and once that happens then you you can trust me so it's kind of people are passionate about the brand the mission you exactly
0: and i think you recognize that pretty quickly if someone's really behind the brand and the journey and we do and we've got this great core team of people mm-hmm. and currently we, we employ sort of nearly 80 people there's not one bad egg in the whole team it's because and as soon as one comes in they're quickly sniffed out and it just filters down, it filters down from the top, and everyone has total pride in their work and pride in the journey. And I'm very transparent with all, with everyone that works for us and my little team. Super transparent on what it is we're trying to achieve. We'll all be honest with each other, you know.
1: So uh, honesty is the big key to trust, isn't it? Yeah. And eighty people is a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and but like I say, that's how I feel we've grown. Is because I don't feel like I'm managing eighty people, and nobody does. I feel like I'm managing one possibly two or three Yeah. and those guys feel like they're managing five or six and then it, you know so because as soon as you feel like you've got eight people on your back then you know then the stress really starts weighing on you and although I do feel like that I feel a real responsibility
1: to all of those people that work for me and so if, if you if most of the personnel issues is left to other people where's Where is your time spread? I know we're talking about creating the bars and stuff. Yeah. But I'm curious is that like building a strategy? Is it building brand identities? What takes up your time?
0: Definitely, especially with the Bannership thing, it's taken up a lot of my time. There's been creating the business plan. And I do all the brand and business development stuff, the acquisition stuff, looking for opportunities networking with the right people i spend most of my time talking to people and trying to discover opportunities yeah and then in terms of operational i don't really do any of it anymore which is great because i freed myself up to do the things that i i do well yeah and like i said to you before it is the business and with that it's the thing that i really enjoy so i found the thing that i really enjoy i loved in the business i love getting a deal together i love finding the right location the right opportunity. And then I've got people that
1: work for me that love being a bartender, love creating menus. So they get to do that bit of the job. Yeah. Since you love the business side and obviously restaurants and bars is where your experience is and it is an area you're passionate about, is there anything else that's not distracting you but is there anything else that's kind of caught your eye where you want to test your business acumen? I'm hoping the link with ship. I guess the term is passive
0: income, earning some revenue every second minute of the day whilst you sleep yeah exactly yeah. and I guess we've got we've got to our bars close at one o'clock we're about to open a nightclub which will open till 2:30 and then some of our units will open at 7 a.m So I've got that window of 2:30 a.m. to yeah. 7 a.m Obviously it's an, an online product and I'm hoping the link with abandoned ship will be opportunity to get involved in, in online products We're also looking at creating a, a drinks product in the coming 12 months. A, a rum product, okay, and also under one of the brand names one or something under Okay, yeah, it might be a sister of. We're also in talks with a couple of breweries about creating a white label for for a, the bannership brand as well, which would be distributed to other sites, not just mm. our own. I want to get to this point where we're constantly earning the, the passive um, income thing. I, don't, you know, is probably a lie as. There's, there's stress, there's stress to do with, with anything, you know. There's not just stress if you're working with your hands. You know? yeah. It's just like you work, you're you working with your brain
1: and, and that brings a lot more stress, to be honest. Is it going to be a business-to-consumer type thing? Is it going to be business-to-business? Business? Is it something you want to get online and just have a website for it and people can buy as they go? Is that the plan? Yeah, it, it'll be, that, that drinks
0: product will be, firstly, to, a, again, promote the Bannership brand another asset of the brand and we've got this exercise of 5 years not necessarily to sell on you know but 5 years of building the brand yeah um, and all the assets of podcast book drinks product the bars and then we've got a few other uh, virtual brands that will come under the abanship brand mm-hmm. and a virtual brand will be for delivery only on delivery just eat etc the, the truth is in five, ten years time do I want to still be running bars probably not do I still want to be doing business 100% mm-hmm. because there's probably a lifespan on running bars it, w- it will take it out of you eventually okay and it's hard work the, you know it's the, the margins aren't as fantastic as, as everyone probably thinks and it's hard graft it's hard graft to stay at, at the front of the curve all the time Competitors popping up all the time, definitely trying to stay relevant. Yeah, bigger firms pushing you out of the market. We've got five years. I've got five to ten years, and we're going to keep pushing what we're doing. But I've always got an eye on what will I be doing in ten years, Um, so that will run alongside what I'm currently doing. And I think in ten years, brand development, business development for for businesses such as ourselves, Mm -hmm. and also. Possibly working in uh, as a as more of a commercial landlord. Um, over the years, you know, we work with a lot of commercial landlords. Yeah. The dream is to own all of your properties and have the the, the rental income and have the regular income without the stress of being an operator. Yeah. You know, but we've got another five years or so of being a, an
1: operator. Yeah. No, good. Always have a game plan of where you want to get to. Yeah. Sounds like you've got quite a few ideas and steps to get there. So. All this planning, all this strategy, all these great ideas, that's obviously come over years of experience. So I'm always curious, looking back on all this time, what is like, I wish we'd more time to just go through it, as many lessons as possible, but what would you say was like the biggest lesson you learned from your own experience?
0: Hmm. It's probably patience, not having, not worrying about having it all now. Why were you impatient before? I think so. Again, it maybe comes with uh, age, but just knowing that it's, it's a long process. You can sometimes kill yourself in the process because you want it now, you, know, you want it tomorrow, but you just have to keep plugging away and just slow it down a little bit. I've, I've definitely suffered with a lot of stress over the years. That's probably ruined a lot of relationships, a lot of mm. friendships, a lot of my own mental health. Because I'm impatient. I want it now. I want it now. The crazy thing is now where we're creating more success is I'm a lot more slower. And things just, things, when you slow down, things start hitting you, you know. Um, but when you're constantly chasing, something's always running away from you, you know. Now that I've slowed down a little bit, we've got a lot more experience. But things are starting to, to catch me, you know. Right. Opportunities are catching me now. So just because you're aware of them, no, because you're not too busy exactly in your mind yeah in my mind and I've slowed down and, and I'm more present and more present now than I ever have been because I've always worried about the future and always worried about the past how the past is going to maybe catch
1: up on me mm-hmm. and the future so but, what do you think being present and mindful just helps you be more aware of opportunity 100% it just
0: gives you the, that stillness and as soon as you have stillness Opportunities come your way because you're not scatty and you're not clambering to get to the top. You're just at peace. And everything I'm doing is to create peace of mind. Somebody asked me, I think it was Rich actually, Rich Richard Davis asked me why am I doing everything I'm doing? My answer to him was to have nothing but be happy with it. To have total peace. To feel to not need
1: anything. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in needing nothing somehow attracts everything. Maybe I'm misreading it and it's my own sort of projection, but is it in a sense of having the money for your future would give you peace of mind in that kind of sense? I think... Because it's just everyone's going to have a different (coughs) definition of working towards nothing. Sure. Yeah, I think financial freedom is is a big thing,
0: especially coming from a working-class background. You feel like you need to buy your way into freedom. And there's probably a lot of truth in that. But that thing of this process of the last 10 years, constantly chasing and never being satisfied because as soon as you you get it, you want to go to the next thing. And then you realise you're never going to be quite satisfied. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you create peace and stillness, you feel much more happiness with it. And at the same time, much more comes your way. And then you can pick and choo- you can pick and choose what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm no. I understand. I'm sitting here and saying that from a fortunate position in business for ten years. Of course, opportunities are going to come my way as opposed to just starting out. Yeah, but to enjoy the process a little bit more, just some stillness, some peace, is probably what I would have passed on to my younger self. Yeah, enjoy the process a little bit more, because I haven't. You know, I definitely haven't. I look back at the last 10 years and they've gone. And I've got a 13-year-old daughter and she's doing great and we've got a fantastic relationship. I'm like, shit, I probably wish I would have savoured those years a little bit more than I did. Mm -hmm. And all of the business stuff, I'll look back and think, were they, probably should have been the glory years, you know, from the age of 27 to now 36. Yeah. And they have been fun, but they've they've just gone by like that because I was clambering to try and get to the top and I still am and and I've won this award and the funny thing is I said to some of my team I feel like I've 1% of where I'm trying to get to Mm -hmm. and the 100% it's not necessarily just business but it's doing it in a peaceful way becoming more mindful, becoming more spiritual becoming healthier, becoming a better influence on the people around me and I feel like I'm still at 1% of where I'm trying to go
1: But that doesn't bother you anymore. As much. It's still a drying factor, but... As much. It's not stopping you from finding stillness. No, I
0: know, but you get the understanding of to get the other 99%, I have to be still to do it. Because clambering for another 10 years, I might get to 2%.
1: Yeah, enjoy the process is probably the the tip that I'd give. And I would say that is a perfect note to end on. Be still rather than filling people with (laughs) Yeah, more, but Phil, that was great. Phil, great. That's yeah, perfectly amazing. One. Thank,
0: Thank
1: you, you very much. You. Cheers, man. And that's it everyone. Hope you love the episode. Definitely check out Phil's bars. I'll put them in the description of the episode so you can have a look. Check them out on Instagram. They're always doing really cool things. The Band and Ship brand that Phil speaks about. I'm actually helping them with the podcast, so you can expect to see that coming in 2020. We'll also be having a sit down with Rich, who created the brand. Like, subscribe, follow the Instagram page at 30 something interviews, and I hope you all have a fantastic new year. Thanks for listening throughout all of 2019.